Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Well, it is great to be able to talk to you about something that has been burning in my heart for a few weeks now, and that is how to keep my heart healthy. We're on this series called Gratitude, and, and uh, I want to talk to you about that. But, uh, I, I guess I need to ask, how many of you had a good Thanksgiving? Let, let me see your hand. You had a good Thanksgiving? I actually, uh, this is going to shock you, I actually ate too much. I, I know, it's just amazing. I, I'm sure nobody else in this room was like that. I, I ate too much. I sat down. I took one of those naps where you're just passed out. Your mouth is open. You're snoring. And all the family's laughing at you. My son took a picture of that, and I'm not going to show it, but um, it was a great Thanksgiving, and, and, and I was thankful for it. I'm thankful right now for it. I, I had a couple of funny things about Thanksgiving, um, kind of along the line of dad jokes. I know that everybody is a big fan of dad jokes. And so I'll just ask you, do you know what the turkey said to the hunter on Thanksgiving Day? Quack, quack. Yes, that's right. He's trying to go into the sky. Do you know why they let the turkey join the band? Nick, you might, might catch this. Because he had his own drumsticks. And, and last but not least, do you know why the turkey crossed the road on Thanksgiving Day? He wanted everybody to think he was a chicken. <laughs> Thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> I hear my son over here laughing the loudest, and that just makes my heart so, so <coughs> happy. You know, um, I was thankful on Thanksgiving Day. And, and, you know, probably most people were. And, and then Black Friday came, and you see the fights in the Walmarts and all that kind of stuff. And, but, you know, it's easy for your thankfulness to disappear. How, how many of you have ever had your thankfulness disappear? I, I talked about it last week. Joy, Thanksgiving, it leaks. We have to guard it. And, and uh, maybe someone cut you off on, on I-45, uh, or, or maybe uh, you heard about a friend that was talking about you, a promotion that didn't go through. Um, maybe your child was left out of something, and, and, and it just drained you of the joy and the thanksgiving. And, and then there's other things that can drain us of the uh, spiritual health that we have in our heart, and I think joy and thanksgiving is a big portion of that. And I really would like to just talk about how many times, if we're not careful, we can lose our heart health, our spiritual heart health. And, and, and I'm thankful that Paul understood that. And in the book of Philippians chapter 2, and I would just encourage you to follow me on notes on the YouVersion app. And if you have your phone, your Bible with you, open it to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to stay there throughout the sermon. And I really want you to... Uh, look at these things that I'm talking about. Uh, Paul understands that, that sometimes our walk with God can be fragile and he gives us the remedy to, to guard our heart or to have a healthy heart. And uh, he actually talks about five things in these few little verses here, verses 12 through 18. And I'm going to talk about all five of these ways to have a healthy heart. And as you read, you can kind of hear the remedy. He doesn't really always give the problem, but you can hear the remedy for it, and then we'll come back and unpack it. So let's read together 
uh, in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Have you ever heard that fear and trembling? You ever heard that, Houston? Fear and trembling, uh, friends would. Well, fear just means respect. It doesn't mean I'm afraid. It means that I move with great respect according to my salvation. And trembling just means sensitivity. I'm sensitive to what the Lord is telling me about. I, I know a lot of people think fear and trembling is something bad, but it's really me just walking in respect and sensitivity to what God wants for my life. Then verse number 13 says, For it is God who works in you. Everybody say, in me. To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold forth to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on that day of Christ that you did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Amen. Now, I think um, to really have an understanding of this passage of Scripture, and, and one of the things I love about Philippians is Philippians uh, is one of the only letters that Paul wrote where there's no admonitions, there's no rebukes. There, it's, it's all encouragement because he's just writing a very simple way to live our life and in the key verses of verse 12 and 13, he said, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have obeyed not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, continue to work out. Everybody say work out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in. Everybody say works in. Works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know, in our life, um, I, I believe that it's God's will for us to grow. Amen. Amen. How many of you believe that God wants us to grow spiritually? And, and this is what God does. He does his part. As a matter of fact, he never lets down on his part. There's never a time he's late. There's never a time that he's out of resources. There's never a time that he isn't able to really give us what we need to have spiritual growth. The, the problem comes, if I'm not experiencing the spiritual growth that I need to have, the problem doesn't come because God isn't providing. The problem because, is because I'm not working out. I'm not doing my part. I'm thankful that God has a part, and I lean upon him. I talked about grace yesterday. It's, it's, without him, it's impossible. His, his part is so much bigger than my part, but I do have a part. Turn to your neighbor and you say, I have a part. I, I have to do that. I have to be a part of that. And, and I, I love how it says work out your salvation. It doesn't say work for your salvation. 
We, we don't work for our salvation. We can't earn our salvation. Salvation is by grace. I talked about that last week. Let me just read a scripture to, to tell you where I'm at on that. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. This is what I believe. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not works lest anyone should boast. So there is things that God has given me. And I have to work them out. I, I remember when I was about 13 years old, uh, one of the Christmas gifts that I received was a model. It was a model airplane. Now, knowing as a parent now looking back, I know what mom was doing. She was getting me something, uh, a present that would cause me to go to my room and be quiet for hours upon time. <laughs> and it worked. I worked hard on that jet airplane. I walked out with glue uh, residue on my fingers. I, I tried to paint it. And, and when it was all over on a scale of about 1 to 10, I would give my model about a 3. <laughs> and I'm sure if I would have kept at it, it would have been all right. But, but um, I didn't keep at it. I, I, I gave up modeling at that moment. But, but I got to thinking about models when I was reading this passage of Scripture and thinking about how I need to be a part of what God is doing in my life. And, and I went down and I picked up this little model of this uh, 60, uh, 1960 Thunderbird, uh, hardback, uh, Thunderbird hardback, right before I was born, actually. And, and this is what I found when I opened the box. I found that it was full of everything that I would need to complete this model. And it even had plans. I actually chose the simplest model that I could find. And, and that was on purpose because, first of all, I didn't want to spend four hours putting a model together or four days. And the other thing is, I don't want you to think that building your life and working out your salvation is difficult. God has made it very easy for us. And this particular model was so easy. As a matter of fact, I put it together in about 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, that's all right. Clap. I, <coughs> I love the affirmation. Man, that's awesome. Now, I didn't put on the stickers, but, you know, I, I'll let Benjamin do that, I guess, or Lace. I don't know. But uh, uh, you, know, you know what? I couldn't have put this together if I didn't have all the pieces. But once I started assembling it, it was very easy to do. And I, I really feel like that is a big portion of what we have to do as Christians to work out our salvation. I mean, God's told us how to pray, right? Well, all we have to do is pray. God's told us how to have faith, right? The word is full of how to have faith. It's just us putting that into action and working it out. You know, the, the, the secret is getting into the word, reading the word, obeying the word. I'll talk more about that later. But it's, uh, that's where we start becoming really healthy is when we start putting these play, things into place in our life. How many of you believe we should pray? I think everybody believes that. Now, the next question is, and I'm not going to ask it, how many of you pray? Because I think a lot of us have the intentions and we have the understanding, but we fall short of what we really should do and what we really should act on. And so it's important for us to have that. Now, um, when I talk about a healthy spiritual heart, I think everybody understands about having a healthy physical heart. You know, we've got all of the advertisements, all the gyms, all the cardio. Everybody talks to us about how if you're going to have a healthy heart, you have to do cardio, you have to do treadmill. I, we had a treadmill once. 
it was our third closet. We hung clothes on it. Uh, you know, walking, swimming, running, and um, the last one doesn't apply to me. I don't run. As a matter of fact, if you see me running, you better join me because probably somebody's chasing me. And, uh, but, but there is um, the, these exercises that uh, keep our heart healthy. I try to walk. I don't do a great job at it, but I try and walk. And when I walk, I try and walk three miles because that's what they say that you need. But, but as much as I want to take care of this physical heart, I need to have the tools at hand to take care of my spiritual heart. I mean, think of all the things we've seen about a healthy heart, a physical heart. Let's talk about how to have a healthy spiritual heart. And I'm going to give you five things on how to have a a healthy spiritual heart. I want to start with one of the ways that our hearts become unhealthy, our loss. And and Paul uh, alludes to it. He gives us the remedy, but the, the, the loss is when our heart is full of fear. When we become so fearful, and and when we're fearful, we lose our joy, we lose our thanksgiving, we lose our faith. And and I think one of the biggest fears that humanity faces, every one of us face, is the fear of being abandoned, the fear of not having somebody go with us, the fear of being alone, lonely. And, And of course, in our church, we want people to understand that there is someone that never leaves us nor forsakes us, and his name is Jesus. He goes with us, and we want people to know God on that level. That's one of the things we really push is for people to know God and to know that he is with us. And this is what I want you to remember, point one on how to have a healthy heart. Remember that God is with me, God is in me, and God is for me. Now, Paul's remedy is found in that 13th verse when he says, For God is working in you, in you, giving you. Everybody say, giving you. He's giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. So it's not like I have to get up the nerve to please God. He's actually putting it in me so that I would do the things that would meet that level of what would please him in my life. He wants us to be mindful, though, that this is not work that we can do on our own. This is a supernatural work of depending on God. You know, living a Christian life without divine assistance is not possible. I mean, it could be a good life, it could be a nice life, but it Without the divine assistance, we're falling short of what God wants for us. I I believe that God wants something for us. I believe that God has purpose for us. God has direction for us. And and, uh, Pastor Nick was talking about it. Today, we have Discover Life. And in all of the campuses, we have Discover Life. And and if you want to live the life that God created you to live, we want to help you find that. We want you to walk into that. And, and that's what we do at Discover Life. We have conversations that start leading you on the path of finding out what God's purpose is for your life. So after service in all of the campuses, if you're new to Life Church, I really encourage you to go and be a part of that. It doesn't take long. It's just that first step of connection. You're going to meet some amazing people and uh This is a good month to do it. We're taking the month of December off because of the holidays. So jump in today after service. And the reason that we want people to discover life is because we know that it takes supernatural assistance for us to live the life that God has called us to live. Amen. 
And we also know that supernatural work, if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to have spiritual growth in my life, that supernatural work requires a supernatural energy. I don't do it on my own energy. I do it from the prompting of the spirit that is within me and how God pulls on me. Uh, Pastor Adrian Rogers is somebody that I've admired for many years, and he says it like this. Our responsibility is our response to God's ability. So when I see God's ability flowing into my life and empowering me and helping me and convicting me and leading me and guiding me, then I have a responsibility to respond to that. If I don't respond to that, I am wasting the good things that God has given me. How many of you are thankful for the blessings of God in your life? Oh, come on. Let me just hear it today. How many of you are thankful for God's richest blessings in your life? Then my response is my responsibility. I can't just keep taking those blessings and not doing anything with them, but I have a responsibility to respond to the resources that God is pouring into my life, to the blessings that God is pouring into my life, to the help that God is pouring into my life. Um, Romans 8 and 31 says it like this, What shall we say about such wonderful things as this? And I've already talked about this, but, but let me just cover it. When he says such wonderful things as this, he's talking about the first eight chapters of the book of Romans where there is the beautiful testimony of how God helps us in so many many ways and this is what he says in light of all of those things if God is for us who can ever be against us and that's one of the ways that I really keep my heart healthy is I remember that God is with me he's in me and he's for me in every situation how encouraging to know that God is for us amen how encouraging and just the encouragement of knowing that he's with us brings heart health spiritually because no matter what situation I am going through I know that he is with me and it gives me the encouragement and it makes me understand I'm never going to be abandoned. I may go through hard times. I may go through difficulties. I may go through situations I don't understand, but God is with me. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful to know that? That whatever the situation you're facing, God is with you. Um, when I was about um, six or seven years old, we lived over off of I-10 and Mercury Road. And at that point, Mercury dead-ended there at the park. I, don't, I know all of you are too young to remember that. But uh, it was I lived two doors down from the dead end. It was a great place to grow up. There wasn't much traffic. And we played up and down those streets and, and had all kind of fun times. And, 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 and as a seven-year-old boy, I, I was probably the best kid on the block. Not, not really. <laughs> I have a feeling that I was a little bit of a tease and a little bit of an agitator. And, and one particular day, there was about 35 or 40 of us playing. And this one older boy that was about 15 started bullying me. He hurt me and uh, embarrassed me. And, and I walked home. And uh, when I walked in the door, my sister Jan was sitting in the recliner. She was reading and she looked up, she said, Jim, what's wrong? And I told her the name of the boy. She knew him. And uh, she, um, I told her, he's picking on me, he hurt me. 
uh, blah, 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 poured out the whole story to my big sister. She's 10 years older than I am. I'll never forget her response. She looked at me, didn't say anything. She just shut her book, put it down on the table beside her, and walked out the front door. And I thought, oh, my, something is going on. I got to be there for this. And uh, she walked down the middle of the road. Didn't take the side, right side, left side, middle of the road. It's Gary Cooper at high noon, folks. It was, he was, she was going for it. And so she walked down. And they were about uh, 10, 12 houses down from us. So it was a pretty good walk. And, and, and we pulled, walked up into the yard. And there's all these kids playing around. She walks up to this boy. She was about 16, 16 and a half at this time. And said, are you picking on my brother? And he Popped off, the dumb thing. Uh, let me just add one more step here. My sister was a redhead. Just <laughs> let that be known. She's redhead. And so he popped off and said something smart. And um, uh, my sister punched him right in the face. Oh, my goodness. It was the best feeling that I had ever had. Didn't say another word. Walked back down the middle of the road, sat down, and started reading again. Legendary moment, folks. Legendary. About three weeks later, I'm coming home from school, and again, somebody was picking on me. I don't know why, because I know I wasn't agitating them or picking on them or bugging them. And, and as they were picking on me, this older guy, another one stepped in and said, Hey, Jan is his, bro is his sister. And the other kid stepped back and looked at me. She had a rep in the ad uh, whole neighborhood, like, Don't mess with Jan, you know. And uh, she defended me, and then, then her reputation went with me when I walked home from school. I may have taken some liberties with that. I'm not going to reveal all of that. But, but you know what? I know that there have been times in my life that God has delivered me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know there's been times in my life that God showed up when I was in a difficult situation and when I didn't know how I was going to get help. Guess who pulled me out? Guess who saw me through? Guess who fought the battle for me? God did. And I may have not seen it and understood it, but he was there and he helped me and strengthened me through it. And that's why when I go through the next situation, I know that God is with me. I know that his reputation is going with me. I know that he has all the power and all the ability. So listen. Don't fear about being alone and don't fear being abandoned. God is with you, God is in you, and God is for you. Amen. A second way we lose our heart health is we become full of fretting or we fight over small things. That, that's just human nature. I mean, we just, little things get in our mind. Little, little things grab a hold of us. We, we are constantly... Uh, excusing our actions and our attitudes and we're always blaming others for our mistakes. That's from the beginning. That's Adam and Eve. And, and it's important that we make that exchange. And, and so the second way that we can really have a healthy heart is we exchange grumbling for gratitude. And we see it here in Philippians chapter 2. Paul's remedy for me getting so tied up and, and aggravated over little things is found in the 14th and 15th verse. Do everything. Somebody say everything. Everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. 
You, you see, this is what happens. According to what I'm reading here, if I am going to live a life of grumbling, a life of complaining, it is going to hinder my light from shining. It's going to hinder my light from being the light that it should be to the world around us. And, and I just want you to know that I want to be a type of person that is spreading joy, not complaints. I, people love to go to a party, but they don't want to attend a pity party. They don't want to go and hear the problems of your life. And, and so it's important for us to live life. That's what Paul says. Do everything without complaining. Just live life with joy. Live life choosing not to complain. Uh, complaining and criticism, it really boils down to one thing. You just want somebody to agree with you. You're not willing to take a look at yourself and your self-narrative that you're speaking. You're just always looking for people to join with you. And I'm just telling you, your life will be healthier spiritually and physically if you remove complaining and criticism from your life. One of the things that amazes me, and I have seen parents that were very critical, not thinking about the impact that that's having on their children. Now, as, as parents, especially as a father, a lot of times we're kind of in the coaching realm. We, we're wanting our children to do good, and we're, we're constantly coaching. But I'm, I, I've had coaches that I didn't care for because they were overcoaching, so critical of everything, never talking about doing anything good. There, there's times when we're nurturing, and I know a lot of times the nurturing comes from uh, the mothers, uh, that our, our nurturing is so uh, uh, heavy-handed sometimes that it, that it uh, uh, sometimes becomes criticism in their ear. And, and I think that we have to be very careful and learn to be grateful not only for the things that God has given us but also for our children I'm thankful for my children I think that every one of us should express that gratitude doesn't the Bible tell us that our children are a gift from the Lord and so it's important for us, even in that realm, to remove uh, complaining and criticism, move, move to gratitude. I, I spent a lot of time talking about this last week. I'm not, I'm not going to go in depth on it, but I do want to say this. Fathers, uh, all the fathers in all of the campuses, just raise your hand. I want to see the hand of every father here in League City, Houston, and Friendswood. This is what I'd like for you to do. I, I would like for some time... During this week for you to look your son or your daughter in the eye and for you to tell them how proud you are of them and how thankful that they belong to you. I'm thankful that you're my son. I'm thankful that you are my daughter. I believe that our children need to hear this. All, all the mothers, let me raise, uh, see the hands of all the mothers. I, I think that sometime this week that you need to look your son or daughter in the eye and tell them how proud you are of them and tell them how thankful you, they, you are that they belong to you. Our kids need to hear that. Our kids need to understand how much we love them. And, and while I'm on this subject, let's just talk to the husbands and wives for a little bit. I think that sometimes our suggestions or our passivity can, can end up being messages that we send that we don't really appreciate our spouse the way that we should. And, and I believe that it's important this week for you to whisper in the ear of your 
wife or your husband that you love them. Notice I didn't say tell them, look them in the eye. I said whisper in their ear because I want you to get close. Come here, honey. Let's get a little hug because I got something I want to tell you. I want to tell you that I love you and that I appreciate you. I'm telling you right now, the kind act of just a spoken word many times can be the beginning of healing in a situation where there's issues or there's problems or there's conflict. And, and, and listen, men, I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us when we find a wife, we find a good thing. Someone said amen. amen. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about what happens when you find a husband. But I do have a feeling that it's kind of a good thing also. And so it won't hurt for you to act like that and say that. You know, honey, if you want to whisper that in my ear, I will humbly accept that. She does. This is what I want to say about complaining. Everybody say complaining. If prayer is a sweet-smelling aroma to God, what does our complaint smell like? If I pray to God and there's this, and God is like, oh, that's beautiful. What in the world? The children of Israel were professional grumblers. They grumbled about food, about water, about clothes, about uh, leadership. They complained when Moses was spending too much time with God. They're, they're looking at the mountain. Their mountain's covered in lightning, and they know Moses is up there with God. And they're like, man, I wish he'd come down from there. You're talking about not having good things in their life. I just imagine the angels for 40 years walking around heaven holding their nose like, oh, God, that stinks. I, I, want, I want my life to be thankful. I want to be heart healthy. This is what Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances. Everybody say in all. In all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. He says in all circumstances, not all, for all circumstances. There's circumstances we're not thankful for. Somebody tells you to be thankful for every circumstance, they don't know what they're talking about. God doesn't want us to be thankful for a bad diagnosis. God doesn't want us to be thankful we lost a job. None of those things. But he wants us to be thankful in those circumstances. Let me give you a good example. Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 15, they're beaten, they're thrown in the in prison, actually in the inner cell, which kind of like solitary confinement, I guess. And then their feet are locked down, called it in stocks. They're locked down. And guess what they did in the middle of that circumstance? At midnight, they prayed and they sang praises to God. Amen. Amen. So I want to make sure that I trade my grumbling for gratitude. I'm going to quickly go on. The third thing is to keep a clear conscience. If I'm going to have a healthy heart, I've got to keep a clear conscience. And, and one of the ways we lose our heart health is that we live with feelings of guilt and of shame. This is what Paul says in Philippians 2 and 15. His remedy is so no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Pastor, I'm telling you, the world is getting so bad out there. The, the worse and the darker the culture gets, it's our chance to shine brighter than ever before. 
I'm not going to be intimidated by what the world's doing when I know what God has done in my heart. I'm going to continue to shine. As a matter of fact, David said it like this, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. So I'm going to live clean and innocent knowing that I have the, the ability to fall and, and, and move into transgressions. But I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to live my life with shame and grief. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. This is what I'm telling you to do. If you want to have a healthy heart spiritually, practice repentance every day. If you fall, get up. <coughs> Excuse me. If you have a stumble, get up. If you have something that happens in your life, get up. Talk to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. I, I read something very uh, uh, interesting, and I'm going to uh, try and hurry through this, but a cancer doctor was asked if, if you could have one wish granted for your cancer patients, what would that be? And, and he gave a very interesting answer. He, he said, my wish would be that the first day they have cancer, they would feel pain. And he went on to say, because so much of cancer is treatable, but people don't know they have it. And it grows and it grows until finally when they are feeling discomfort or pain, it's too late to do anything. If they felt pain on the first day, we would save so many lives. I got to thinking about that. You know when I feel guilt and shame? The moment I sin. Why would I live with that? Why would I take that to bed with me? Why would I wake up in the morning carrying the same garbage when I know that we have one that has promised us if we will confess, if we will admit, if we will repent, he will forgive us. So if I'm going to have a healthy heart, I need to live a life of repentance. Another way our heart becomes unhealthy is when we're full of anxiety and depression. I, one of the things I love about freedom groups, and, and if you've not gone through a freedom group, you, listen, first of the year, you need to go through it. It is amazing. It ends with an incredible conference where people are delivered, where God does great things in their life. And, and, and really, you need to look around at your family members or your neighbors who are dealing with these issues of addictions and anxiety and guilt, and you need to invite them to be a part of one of these freedom small groups. But there's a lot of people that carry depression, a lot of people that carry anxiety. And, and, and I want to I just be real honest with you. I know that some of those people just need medical help. I, 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 please, go, go get the medical help you need. If there's a chemical imbalance, address that situation. I'm, I'm saying that believing that God can heal, but many people just go through it, don't get any help. Some people just need help with their relationships. Maybe you need to see a counselor. Maybe you need to talk to somebody that can mentor you in your relationships. Some people just need help with their emotions. Maybe they need a little bit of help to deal with things emotionally, but, but there's a lot of times that depression and anxiety is a spiritual attack against us. And you know what happens when we have a spiritual attack like that? We need spiritual help. And Paul sees that here. And he, he talks about that in, in this fourth point that I'll give you. And that is to live the word. Everybody say read and obey. This is what we have to do. Paul's remedy is found in the 16th verse. Hold firmly to the word of life. Everybody say, hold firmly. 
then on that day, on Christ's return, I would be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Now, hold firm or hold fast means not only holding, but also sharing. Hold forth is another translation of that particular Hebrew word. Hold forth the word of God. And, and I say that, and I want you to listen to me, because as Christians, especially when the world becomes more and more evil, it's easy to develop a fortress mentality about surviving in this depraved world that we live in. And, and, and this mindset uh, prefers to withdraw into the church get away from everyone else, away from evil, shutting it out. But Paul is encouraging believers to take the gospel into the culture. Hold firm, hold forth. Pastor, I'm so thankful that on Sunday my light shines in church. And, and look, we got a lot of lights in here. But can I tell you that on Monday, if all of these lights were shining and on Monday night somebody was driving down South Egret Bay, down Alameda, Genoa, down whatever we all have there in Friendswood, that the light inside the building wouldn't give them one bit of help. You know what we need to do? We need to shine in the world around us. Psalms not 119 and 16 says it like this. I will delight in your decrees, which means the principles of God. I will not forget... Well, how is it that you don't forget things? It's because you memorize them. Yeah. I, I'm not going to forget it because I've memorized it. How many of you have a passcode somewhere, a password somewhere? You know why you remember it? Sometimes you remember it. <laughs> I know. I've reset my password before. You memorize it. it when I want to have a healthy heart, it's when I read and obey the word of God. I want to say something here, and I want you to listen to me. I want us to be determined. Everybody say determined. That means I have my mind made up. I want us to be determined as life church, as followers of Jesus Christ, that the world will not crowd the word of God out of my mind. That the world will not crowd the word of God out of my mind. Because the world is busy. The world is full of events. The world is full of noise. The world is full of problems. And if we will let it, it will crowd that right out of our mind when what we should have is the word strong in our heart. Paul goes, uh, uh, David goes on to write in Psalms 119 and 35, make me walk along the path of your commandments for that's where my happiness is found. That's where my happiness was found. We have to have that love for the word of God. Right, my last point, our loss is when our unhealthy heart is selfish and self-centered. Selfish and self-centered. And here's Paul's remedy. This is real easy. It's real easy. It's just serve others. When you are self-centered and selfish, your heart's not going to be healthy. Because everything is inwardly. That's not the way that God created us. Let's read what Paul says in Philippians 2, 17 through 18. But I rejoice even though I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy, yes, you should rejoice I will share your joy. What, this is what Paul is saying here. Lord, use my life to serve you by serving others. I rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like 
Your faithful service is an offering to God. I, I know a lot of people don't understand this. I, I, I want to give you uh, uh, some insight into yourself. A lot of people don't understand this because the world we grow up in teaches us to be selfish, self-centered, to climb the corporate ladder, to get all we can, to be in the race of how many things can I accumulate. But spiritually, we're not wired like that. Fleshly, that's what we desire. We desire that in the flesh, more, more, more. Spiritually, this is how God has wired us. He has wired us that our true happiness comes from serving others. Now, I know when we're kids, getting stuff is awesome, and we think that's what it's all about. But when we're adults, we begin to understand it's not about the getting, it's about the giving. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? And, and really, it's that way in all parts of our life. We, we need to practice service and generosity every day of our life. Every day of our life. We had our legacy offering a couple of weeks ago, and I appreciate everyone that has given. It's not too late for you to be a part of that, to support ministries that we're going to have here in our own house, ministries in our city, in our nation, and around the world. Practice generosity. Practice serving. Well, Pastor, I don't have anything to give. First of all, I think you need to check your budget and make sure you include God in your budget. But if you don't have that much to give, you do have time to give. There are places to serve. There are places to pour into people. And I think it's important for us to practice service and generosity every day. Now, I'm just going to summarize. If I'm going to have a healthy heart, first of all, I remember that God is for me. God is in me. And God is with me. Everybody said amen. amen. The second thing I need to understand is I'm going to have a healthy heart. I have to exchange grumbling for gratitude. If I'm going to have a healthy heart, I have to keep a clear conscience. I have to wipe my conscience, wash my conscience with the word of God, with repentance. If I'm going to have a healthy heart, I need to live the word that God has given me. And if I'm going to have a healthy heart, I need to serve others. Can, can we stand at all of our campuses? I want us to stand together. And uh, as the teams are coming back, I want us to uh, I want to ask you two more questions. I'm at the end of these two questions, I'm going to pray. And at my amen, the other two campuses will take the service. Worship team's there. So I'm going to ask you these two questions. You know, one of the things that's in my mind, I'm going to do a, just say a little something before I ask the first question. A lot of times I wonder, will anybody allow their life to be changed by the word of God this day? I, as a preacher, I think that when I'm preparing the message, will anybody allow their life to be changed? And, and really, it's not how good I preach because I know that that's not, I'm, I'm not shooting to be one of the greatest preachers in the world. I know that that's not my gifting. I just want to bring a solid word to you. But the question is, will you take that and let God do something in your heart? Will you let God do something with your life? Will you take something in the Word, or is it just an hour? I've got to get through it. I'm here. I'm enjoying it, but it just swoop right over my head. When will something land? And so one of the questions that I want to ask you, I want you to take it um, deep in your heart, is 
Where do you volunteer to sacrificially serve others every week? Where? If you're not every week sacrificing, serving, you need to find a place. Again, we've talked about Discover Life. That's a great first step for you, next step for you. But there's places you can serve. If you don't want to serve here, serve somewhere. But give of yourself. I read two, um, as I was doing some research on this, I saw two uh, tags to medical studies. The first one said that if you serve consistently, that you live longer. (laughs) We all want to live longer. There's something about serving, something that makes us healthy, not only spiritually, but physically giving Instead of always looking for what's next for us. The, the other medical research was really interesting to me. And it said that people that are battling depression and anxiety. One of the great things that they can do to help come out of that is by serving others. When I was growing up my dad told this story many times. And he, he was a great man of God and loved God. And God moved in his life. But He told the story about how, I know Phyllis will remember this, he told the story about when he was just a young man, how he went through a period where he could not feel the presence of God. And he lived on that. That was his life, to to feel the presence of God. And for whatever reason, you know, there was a period, a time, maybe it was testing from God or maybe it was just his heart was insensitive. I don't know what it was and he didn't know what it was. But he told the story many times. That he made up his mind after weeks of seeking God and wanting to break through and, and it not happening. He said he made up his mind, if I never feel the presence of God again, I'm going to serve. And he talked about how on one particular night he went down to the altar and he started praying with someone. And after weeks of never feeling the presence of God, while he was praying for someone else to receive their blessing that God blessed him and the presence of God became so real to him. There's a lot of things in our life that we build up in our mind and we agonize over. And one of the great things we could do is just learn to serve others and see the healing. So let me just ask that question again. Where are you voluntarily serving sacrificially every week? second question is this. As you grow older, are you growing more generous? As you grow older, are you growing more generous? This is what I believe. This is not about money. This is about lifestyle. I believe that the longer we're around Jesus, the more generous we're going to be. We're more generous. We're going to be with our smiles, with our kind words, with our helping hands, with our words of encouragement, with our serving, with our giving, with all parts of our life. You can't walk with Jesus and be selfish. You can't walk with Jesus and be self-centered. Because everywhere Jesus is going, he's looking at the multitude saying, oh, I just wish they had someone to shepherd them. I wish that they had someone to serve them. I wish that there were laborers in the field. So as you grow older, and when I say older, I'm not talking about necessarily your age. I'm talking about spiritually maturing in the Lord. As I grow in the Lord, are you growing more generous? Our worship team, come on up. I'm going to turn it to you just as soon as I pray. Houston, Friendswood, let your worship teams come up. Lord.
we love you so much and we're so thankful for today. Our desire, oh God, is that we would have hearts that are spiritually healthy. We've gone through this season of Thanksgiving and that's a national holiday. And I know that around the world, because of uh, America's influence, people have celebrated some type of Thanksgiving. It's on our mind right now, dear Lord. And this is the last thing we want. We, we don't want all of that to leak out the next week. We, we don't want things to come. We, we want our heart to stay healthy. We want it to be full of gratitude. We want it to be full of faith. We want it to be full of consistency, God. And so my prayer right now, dear Lord, is that each one of us would just learn to live that consistent lifestyle, that, that lifestyle where we're constantly looking to you as our help, as our, as our companion, knowing, dear Lord, that your desire is for us to have a healthy heart. And I pray that you would help us do that today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you, Life Church.